Thank you very much, Kathleen and Jaquille. Can we give them a big round of applause, everybody? Yes, we, we love them and we're so, we're so grateful for them. And um, as Jaquille mentioned in our Next Steps news, um, there's all kinds of ways that you could be uh, online today or all through this week. And whether you're on YouTube or CCM Online, Facebook or your podcasting, later podcasting, does that sound right? Yeah, that's what all the kids are doing these days, they're podcasting. Um, whichever way it is that you're joining us, you are a part of our church community. Um, so how, we're grateful for that, that you are with us. And don't forget, we will be receiving communion together today after the message. Um, so if you're at home and you have not run to your refrigerator or your cupboard or whatever to get some elements to receive communion with us, go ahead and do that. And we'll spend some time doing that in a bit. So, and that's what's happening at this moment here in the building across Crossroads Church of Ministries. When peace like a river attending my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my life God has taught So grateful that you are a strong tower in our lives. So grateful that you are our peace. So grateful, God, that you are our comfort. 
You are our victory. You are a constant companion, even when we're not aware. Thank you for the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, moving this day in our lives. Thank you for the opportunity this morning to worship you in reading scripture, singing, lifting our voices. Thank you for those using instruments to lead us. Thank you for our children upstairs, those that are upstairs, the workers. Breathe life into each one of us, we pray, God. We are a grateful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Yes. And if you're not doing well, hopefully by the time we head out today, we'll all be doing a little better uh, than we came in. Um, And if you're not doing well, know that God is certainly with you. And uh, that you are loved on this day. You're loved by God and loved by all the people surrounding you. And those of you online, welcome. We're grateful to be together this morning. Um, all of us together, whether you're in your living room or you see this later in the week, grateful for each and every one of you. We speak blessing on everybody's life and their families. Um, this is, we continue to move on in Lent. We, we're in the midst of a series called Get In, Give Up, and Give Out. And uh, we've been spending a couple of weeks talking about getting in. And today I want to start talking about giving up. And really the, the core of this is in giving up. Isn't like, I mean, it is giving up in, in a way you would think like giving up your life or those things that, you know, hold you back. Uh, but I want to talk about giving up, kind of giving our worship, our, our love, our relationship toward God, giving that up, making sure we're connected to God in the midst of not just this Lenten season, but in the midst of our life. I want to talk to you about, you know how there's, uh, I mean, giving up is one of those examples. You know how there's different words or different phrases that are said, and the same phrase can mean multiple things. Uh, We're all familiar with those. I want to talk to you today really about knowing God. The scripture talks about knowing God, and it also talks about knowing God. And the, the, the act of knowing can mean a couple of different things, and that's what I want to lead you through. It's one of my favorite. Today's psalm um, in, in the, uh, the book that we use, we call it the blue book around here, uh, the book that we use that kind of leads us through Scripture with Christians all over the world. Uh, the psalm of today is Psalm 103. Uh, It's verse 1 through 13. I encourage you to read all that. We're only going to read eight verses, but this is one of my favorite psalms. Although I find myself, almost every time I speak, I think I say that, right? Like, this is one of my favorite scriptures. That's because, uh, maybe I should just say, this is not one of my favorite scriptures when that comes up. That'll save us all a little time, right? But uh, there is especially a phrase. We've already read through the scripture, and uh, we're really encouraged by it. Um, I love, for instance, praying to forget none of God's benefits, that uh, our sins are forgiven, that our diseases are healed, and there's just this list, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I want to specifically look at one sentence in this portion of Scripture and then connect it to a portion of Scripture that is a parallel in the New Testament um, where I think it kind of breaks it down a little bit more. So in Psalm 103... This is what the scripture uh, says. Bless the Lord. Why don't we read it together real, real loud and clear. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all this is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all the benefits of the Lord. The Lord forgives all your sins and heals all your infirmities redeeming your life from the grave and crowning you with mercy and loving kindness, satisfying you with good things and renewing your youth like an eagle's. Hallelujah. Those of us that are getting 
we know we're getting it. Some of you don't know you're getting older. I know I'm getting older. That is a great verse. That's not the one I'm going to focus on, though. That's a personal thing. Anyway, the Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. O Lord, you made your ways known to Moses and your works to the children of Israel. You are full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, and of great kindness. Let's go back, if we can, to that last slide. This is the one that I want to pay attention to. O Lord, you made your ways known to Moses and your works to the children of Israel. That's basically two different ways of knowing. In in other words, the children of Israel understood, like they would see a miracle, and then they would get excited, and there was a lot of reason to be excited about the miracles, right? And that would really juice them up for a few days. Uh, On a a good moment, it would juice them up for a few days. But then they would go back to uh, the, the knowledge that they had of God's power did not carry them in a way that God desired them to be carried. So then they would rebel. If, you, if you're familiar with the story of the Israelites in the desert, that's what happened with them. Of course, we never do that. We, we see things happen in our life, and it just carries us, doesn't it? Anyway, in case you're like me and like the Israelites, if you're just going by kind of your head knowledge and you see things, you see God's power, which manifests all the time in many different ways around us, that will not carry you in a way God wants you to be carried because it's not relational. It is merely something that's happening in your head. Now, in the New Testament, in Philippians, Paul is a great example of someone. uh, If you read in Philippians 3, for instance, uh, we're going to start in verse 7, but if you read before that, Paul basically, this is kind of what Paul says. Paul says, I did everything I was taught to do. I achieved kind of the highest levels of everything I could achieve. I had all kinds of resources, had all the money that I needed. I had power. I had influence. I had everything that was thought that I needed to have to have a great life, to have the kind of life that would honor God, to have the kind of life that would be transformational. And then Paul comes to verse 7 And this is what he says about all of that stuff that has happened in his life. He creates a contrast. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage. Depending on the version, dung, rubbish, trash. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which through the faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Everyone say this with me. I want to know Christ. Let's say it again. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Now, Paul sets up a contrast, which is the same kind of contrast you see in Psalm 103. Moses knows God's ways. To know God's ways is quite different than to know God's deeds. To know, so Moses is moving into the realm of divine intimacy, a knowledge that is relational. Now, what Paul isn't saying is when he says that I consider all that garbage, essentially, he isn't saying that there was, wasn't goodness in, in those things. He wasn't saying that the learning wasn't good. He wasn't saying that the, the, the influence that he had wasn't good. Some of it was definitely not good. But what he's saying is what I was missing is the relationship I needed with Jesus, 
my head was full of what I thought were all the right thoughts, but my relational connection to God was absolutely bankrupt. It's kind of like this. Have you ever gone into a grocery store or a department store, whatever, in a store, like they, they lay out the store in a certain way. You go into the store, and you, if you pay attention, you know on certain days, if maybe you're bored in the store, you realize it's like they kind of take you through a gauntlet. Somebody sat down, a group of people sat down, and they figured out how to design this building, this layout of all these retail items, so that you as a consumer would go through. They want you to go, they want to make sure that you go to the most profitable areas. So they put certain things in the back, put certain things in different rows. Now, if you just know the layout, like if you work there, for instance, let's say you're a stock person, it's like you know where the vegetables go in the grocery store, or you know where the clothing goes, the women's clothing, the men's clothing. You know the layout of the store. But that is quite different than the people in the back room that have spent time trying to figure out how you think and what is going to make the most sense for them to be most profitable. That's why when you get to the front, to the checkout, there's all of those things. You should never take your grandkids to the grocery store because there's those things, right? And they're just waiting to see those things. And in the same way, here's kind of the difference. If we enter into our relationship with Christ, we can can spend our whole kind of time trying to approach Christ just simply trying to figure out where the green beans go. And we read the scripture that way, and we, we talk to one another that way, and we figure out there's nothing wrong with it. You have a knowledge of the layout of the store. You have a knowledge of the layout of being a Christian. But what we really want to be are the people that know the ways of Christ, the ways of the consumer. Am I making any sense to anybody? besides myself, because I've always made sense to myself. I don't know what it is. So knowing God deepens. I want to talk to you about this. Excuse me. (coughs) 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 I'm reminded of a Keith Green (coughs) song. (coughs) We're in the middle of it. He stops. He says, somebody want to get Jesus a hamburger? Anyway, I don't know why I thought that, but um, I want to talk to you about this knowing of God that I believe is the kind of knowing that God desires for us to pursue. I'll give you four words, and I'm going to give you a quick note about each one. Knowing God deepens through vulnerability It deepens through accessibility. It deepens through intimacy. And it deepens through passion. Vulnerability, accessibility, intimacy, and passion. I would say if you'd like to have more healthy relationships, I would jot those down because this just isn't about a relationship with God, although it primarily is. It's important in all of our relationships. Vulnerability. You do realize that Jesus didn't go to the cross so that you could just be proven right. You do realize that. You do realize that part of the season of Lent is about us repenting and about us humbling ourselves, which requires honesty. Vulnerability requires honesty. Requires honesty in a relationship It requires humility. It requires living in a perilous way. For those of you that are in love, you understand that you live perilously, right? Like uh, Claire and I have been together a really long time, and I would say Claire lives really perilously. And I also live perilously. See, to love is to engage yourself in a vulnerable way to whether it's God or another human being, without the reassurance in any way 
that there will be reciprocal love. Now, if there's any sure bet, it's our relationship with God. God really can't do much more for us, although God certainly will continue to do things. But if we don't know it yet, that we can count on God. But, but relationships need vulnerability. You have to put yourself out there. Some of you that are married, whoever was the first one, or maybe you're not married, but you, you've told somebody you love them before. Like that, putting yourself out there, like, you ever wonder about that? I mean, if you were the first one, maybe you were that person. I told Claire I loved her before she said it back, and I have to tell you, I was wondering, you know, I was waiting for the right moment. Like, if I say this and get crickets, that's not going to be good. Or if she says, well, good for you, or something like that, right? So there's, there's this element of vulnerability when it comes to loving a person. Of course, many of us are familiar with C.S. Lewis' quote that says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrong or wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give, give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and luxuries. Avoid all of its entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your self, selfishness. But in a casket, safe, dark, motionless, and airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. The invitation for you and I with God, according to Paul, according to Moses, according to so many, in this room and throughout history is to be vulnerable, to be accessible. Accessibility is incredibly important, and it takes a mutual accessibility. The scripture tells us over and over and over again things like God is an ever-present help in times of trouble that I am with you always, Jesus said. That you will be comforted when you mourn. That's all about presence and accessibility. God is not distant. God is never absent from your life or mine. I recently uh, had an interaction around a guy that um, had been a pretty healthy person, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, got really, really sick, was hospitalized. And while he was in the hospital, one of the things that he had told somebody was, I have pretty much every day of my life prayed and felt like I was having conversation with God. And then, all of a sudden, when I got sick and I got hospitalized, it really kind of sideswiped me. And I felt like God was absent. My life was changing in a hurry that way, and I didn't feel good about it at all. Anyway, he went through this process. A chaplain sat down with him and helped him through that process. And actually, he ended up being baptized while in the hospital. And the first thing that he said was immediately when I was baptized... I could hear God speak to me instantly. See, God is never away from us. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but sometimes it's easy to think that way. If our relationship with God is just about what we think, and there isn't this accessibility that we're cultivating It can get pretty lonely at times, but know this, God's not away from you. The truth is, is in our relationship with God, absence does not make the heart grow fonder. So what are the ways that you, or I would say me, what are the ways that we are making ourselves accessible to God? Perhaps it's through service or learning studying, or prayer, 
fellowship with other people, worshiping, spiritual disciplines, which gets us to intimacy. See, um, knowing, it just a head knowledge of knowing is just about the what. It's the grocery store layout. But intimacy is about the why. When we get intimate with another person, another human being, or, or others, or we get intimate with God, we begin to understand the why. And don't you really want to have a better understanding of the why? Sometimes you'll never know why. I'm, not, I'm certainly not here saying that you, the closer and more intimate you get with God, the more you'll understand the whys. You or that you'll understand every why, but you will understand more of the whys. And you'll be better with mystery. You'll be better with the things that don't seem to transpire that when you read a scripture, for instance, in Psalm 103, and it says that God heals all of your diseases and then you're sick, that you can sit in the mystery with knowing that God is still a healer, but your body is not well. Intimacy with God. See, because here's the thing. Remember, Paul, who is our example here, one of them, Paul says, I got all those things, like if there were a list, I had them all. But I didn't have what mattered most, and that was knowing Christ Jesus, knowing Christ Jesus in his sufferings, and knowing the power of the resurrection. See, knowing God's way goes beyond knowing God's deeds. You can experience God's deeds, but still know God's ways. It's like unearthing a treasure. It's like when you read the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave, you feel close to that. It becomes intimate with you. This knowing begins to deepen in your life. See, it takes time to know, but time doesn't guarantee knowing. It takes time to be intimate, but being connected with someone or, or God doesn't just guarantee, but it does take time. Understanding the why. It takes time, takes curiosity, takes openness, it takes a pursuit that brings the kind of knowing we're talking about, an intimate knowing, a true heart of knowing, a commitment to understand God and God's ways. Sue Monk Kidd says it this way, pure in heart means to be single-hearted, sing-hearted, I'm sorry, to will one thing, God. All Jesus' moments flowed from his single-heartedness, from his intimacy with God, that was his core. Christianity is full of paradoxes, and this is one of the strangest. When we are centered in God alone, we are able to relate more to more of life and the world and find more meaning in them. In some way, a centered life becomes wider and fuller. Just stop right there. I just, because Claire and I have been talking about this quote, have you ever noticed that some people that kind of like outwardly act like they're wide and full, but when push comes to shove, they're very narrow and they're almost frighteningly narrow. It takes, in order for it to be a healthy experience, an intimate experience with God, it takes connection to God. And the closer and more intimate your relationship with God becomes and is, the better you are at being able to hold the mystery of this life that we're living and look around at all of the disturbing things that we have to hold, not only in our own life, but just looking around the world and be able to hold and be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Back to this great quote. Let me read that sentence again. When we are centered in God alone, we are able to relate to more of life and the world and find more meaning in them. In some way, a centered life becomes wider and fuller. 
to form one's life around this single perspective enables us to deal with more problems, not fewer, embrace more of life, not less of it. One reason is that we're not so divided, overwhelmed, or bogged down by trivia and confusion. Now, intimacy, true intimacy, is guaranteed by God if we pursue it. I said a minute ago that true knowledge and intimacy is kind of like an excavation project. Think of, think of your relationship with God as an excavation project where you find new treasures on a regular and sometimes irregular basis. Claire and I, uh, in a couple of weeks, will be married 41 years. Yeah, yeah, give her a hand clap. Congratulate Claire. I sat down uh, last night, and Claire and I have been together for every five days of our life, three and a half days, more than three and a half days, if you were to just time it out. And I mean, literally, we have been together, right? Our offices are connected. We have a bathroom in the middle up there where sometimes we meet for fellowship and other things. Anyway, (laughs) however, that doesn't guarantee, but I look at Claire sometimes, we laugh about this. We We have said this, and we say it more now than we ever have. And we'll look at each other sometimes and say, who in the world am I married to? Have you ever felt that way about God? Who in the world am I trying to get close to? And some moments are like that. And we laugh and assure each other it's safe and good and all will be well, all will be well, and in the end, all will be well. I think one of the most important things when it comes to intimacy, this is not like rocket science to me. Here's the question I ask myself in my relationship with Jesus. Am I becoming more grateful? If I'm becoming more grateful, I believe I'm becoming more intimate with God and God's ways, which leads to passion before I say that I just want to mention this scripture in Jeremiah 29, 13 that you're probably most of you are familiar with. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Going back to Philippians 3 to kind of tie this together, there's the issue of passion. There's a curious statement Paul makes here. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. The word sufferings can literally be exchanged with the word passion. What Paul is saying here is, Jesus proved by the work on the cross and through the resurrection what he was most passionate about, which does take us all the way back to scriptures like Psalm 103. that says, essentially, Jesus says... Some suffering is worth it because I'm passionate about the results on the other side. And Paul says, I want to partner with that. Jesus essentially proved his passion. His passion was you. His passion was me. His passion was humanity. And making all the things that we know are wrong making all of those things right. I want to know him and know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. If you want to know Christ's passion, look at the cross, look at the resurrection. It's where Jesus makes all that is wrong and says it will be right. Remember that list in Psalm 103? Jesus says, this is about a relationship. This is about being vulnerable. 
This is about being accessible, being intimate, and being passionate. And I will make all those things right. I did it at the cross. I did it by being resurrected from the dead. And the suffering for your sake and mine was worth it. So, if I'm hearing Paul right, what he's saying is, some of the suffering that goes on makes a lot of sense in my life and yours. If we, if we say that we're after the giver and not the gift, that's really what we're talking about. The gifts come, but never let the gifts be the measurement of whether or not God loves you and whether or not God wants to be close to you or whether or not God is with you. God is with you. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you so much. Mm. We love you too. And, I, you know, when I hear you talking, um, I just want to say that it makes me think of some of the suffering that I know that is right here in this room. And so I just want you to think about the places where you're suffering right now. Christ is with you here, not over there. You remember a few weeks ago we had the brother of Jesus, James, say, what is your life? Remember we thought about that for a minute? What is your life? And sometimes the things that are happening in our life are quite confusing. And this idea of being with God in the mystery to get to know the God of mystery. Whenever Scott and I say to each other, who is this person I'm married to? It's a fresh invitation to get to know the person I'm married to. It's not like, who is this person? It's, who is this person I'm married to? Can you tell me a little more about that? What is it that makes your heart beat or your heart break? Why has this got your underwear in a bunch? That's a Matt Blossom quote. (laughs) What is my life? And what is God doing now? And who is this God that I have come to believe in now? in this moment of my life. Not five years ago or ten years ago, but who who is God now? Who are you, God, now? And when we approach, as you said, with this kind of openness and curiosity to grow in our intimacy and our accessibility and our passion for God, our ability to be with God in things that don't make any sense, Because, you know, I was thinking about Jeff singing It Is Well With My Soul and talking about the healing of his eyes. And I just want to give a shout. Amen. Right? Right, right, right? And then I think we sang It Is Well at my son's funeral. And It Is Well has a different tenor in every moment of our lives. And it is one of the reasons we need to be in fellowship with one another because one person just got healed and one person just said goodbye to someone, right? And the wellness is not about God being your jack, what's that called? Slot machine, right? But about knowing God here, now, not just there and then but here and now. And so I'm going to invite our friends to come up um, to pray prayers of the people. I don't know if you saw me. I, I, was, I was going around today, and I got rejected by at least, at least uh, a dozen. And I feel so grateful for that because that means everybody knows they don't have to say yes to me. 
but they can say yes to all that God has provided. And I think about, you know, a couple of things. I, you know, um, so man, many of you, uh, can you introduce yourself, Doug? Let folks know who you are. He's Doug. <laughs> and, and Doug wrote this beautiful book, God's Suffering Servant. And many of us went through that with him a couple of years ago as a Bible study. And it's available. Go ahead, look it up. Doug Worth, God's Suffering Servant. That's the name of it, isn't it? Uh, Christ is Suffering Servant. I use Philippians 3.10 as the epigraph for the whole book, so appropriate. So that just must have been God today so that you're going to lead us. There. I know. Sorry, Doug. And, um, and I love that, that Doug took us into Lent through that book by looking at the suffering of Christ and not just the resurrection. Because this is a part of our faith, my friends. And many times, if we can get acquainted with the suffering, we might become people of gratitude rather than complaint. And, uh, and open and curious, like, who is this God of suffering? And not just, I prayed these three scriptures, and I know, that I know exactly what God's going to do and when. And then I think about Beth. Beth, will you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Beth Denbrock, and my husband Brian and I and our kids have been coming to Crossroads for 20 years. That's crazy. And I think many times, Beth, when I think of you, I think about praise reports. If you ever talk to Beth, she's always got something to praise God about. She's always got some way to talk about the resurrection. And she just has that way about her. So I just want to say wherever you are today, if you feel like you just feel like praising him, I feel like praising him. Or if you say, I am getting to know God in the suffering right now. And I'm asking, who are you, God? Let's stand together and pray for our world. Our God works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. You made known your ways to Moses. May we know you and your ways in your suffering, sufferings and resurrection power. Jesus, Jesus may, we may we know, know you, you in the power of, power of resurrection and, and the, the fellowship of your, of your sufferings. sufferings. For an end of the Russian government's attacks on Ukraine, for the security of her cities, for the protection of civilians, for the solidarity among those who stand for peace. Jesus, may we know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. For an end to pay disparities based on gender, race, or ethnicity. Jesus, may we know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. For China, as COVID-19 surges there again. Jesus, may we know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. For all, marking two years of pandemic upheaval, for all whose memories leave them breathless, for all who grieve without hope. Jesus, May, May we know, know you in the power, in the power of, your of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. For substantive relief for all experiencing financial distress. Jesus, may we know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. For all who rely on our prayers, especially... Let's just say those names out loud here. Who's relying on your prayers today, friends? Jesus, may we know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. 
So we're just going to pray some individual prayers here today, friends, and we hope and we believe, we trust God that we will know you right here in the midst of these prayers. Jesus, we want to know you as we remember you. You can take the bread. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you, there is no Jesus lifted the cup and said, 
Take this, all of you, and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant, written in my own blood, poured out for you and for all, so that sins will be forgiven. And every time you drink, remember me. So Jesus, as we drink, we pray that we would know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. see you. 